GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome everybody to the Last Action Podcast. I am the Sphinx. And joining me with a rosy halo glow behind him, we have Hovercraft Joe. Uh, what up? Uh, Sphinx, everyone knows that I am the angel of this podcast, so it makes sense. Oh, there we go. And if I'm Commissioner Gordon, I guess you're, I don't know, Batman? one of those. No, Batman? definitely not Batman? Batman. You wish you were Batman. You're like I wish one I was of the. Batman. <laughs> you're one of those people that was working for Commissioner Gordon that betrayed all of us. That's <laughs> who you are. Wow. LPJ. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that. Yeah, you shouldn't take it well. But what's up, LPJ? Uh, yeah, hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're, well, so we're, we are covering The Dark Knight. Um, you're the sequel. Obviously, this is the sequel. I should say, though, LPJ, you'll find this fascinating. This is a movie that we have not done the first one of. Are you sure? I, I swear. I can swear to you we did. I am positive. And I will say it's funny that you already busted out the Batman voice. I was joking with some people today at work, and I was like, yeah, we're doing this movie. What if I did the whole episode in the Christian Bale voice? Did you? So, that, no, speaking of what awesome I guess, do net worse. I, I guess, like, during the actual filming of the movie, it wasn't that pronounced. Yeah. And then in ADR, really- Christopher Nolan made him ramp it up. Yeah, I didn't realize that that like a lot of it was like post production that they made it like grittier and stuff like that. It was like it needs to be more. Uh, which I thought which it was fine. I thought it was pretty over the top. <laughs> it's it's it a little is, over the top. It's way over the top. <laughs> it's, it's one of the few faults of this movie is is Christian Bale talking like this whenever he's Batman. Anyway, <laughs> anyway we are talking so, about the Dark Knight. Yes. Um, release date on this is July eighteenth, two thousand eight. Um, I, me, LBA, LBJ and I have a shared history of yeah, this. Um, so it, it came out, we were actually in Florida when this movie came out. We are down there for our buddy's wedding. Um, so we didn't see it like when it came out on Friday or Saturday, but like we were leaving on Monday. So like that Sunday, we all went to like the mall by the house, the rental house we were staying at and saw the dark night. In a mall in Florida, because we were like, I, I remember being like, after oh, after we had eaten Chick Fil A for the first time. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, we had the food court. Um, but yeah, I remember just being super. I mean, like, I, I Batman Begins kind of like came out of nowhere. Like it was like, you know, it was a big deal, and I it was just one of those movies where it was like, wow, this is like, I don't know. And, and I have some more thoughts on. Batman Begins in, in this movie just in general, but I'll get to it later. But like, so I remember being super excited. I remember being really bummed that we couldn't see it opening night. Yeah. So it was like whether or not it was a good idea while we were technically on vacation to go to the movies and see like a two and a half hour Batman movie at the mall. It happened. So, yeah. And that's kind of you're right. We were in Florida, but I remember leading up to this, like Heath Ledger had passed away and mm-hmm. 
and even before that, like even before he had died, there were there were things floating around like Heath Ledger's phenomenal in this. Like the actors in the film talking about how mesmerized they were watching him uh, uh, perform. And so there's there's this kind of hype to the movie, and then he passed away, and everyone was shocked. And then the hype like intensified, and it got bigger. And then there was the should they release the film? Should they not release the film? Should they you know edit some things out or whatever it is? And then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and the hype for this was off the charts, especially oh, yeah. after the success of the first film. Yeah, and and I'll say. You know, I don't know if LPJ remembers this, but the first film, Batman Begins, your brother told me, like, you have to see this. Yeah. And he watched it for the second time in the theater with you and I yeah. watching it the first time. Yep. Uh, and your brother bailed on me to watch The Dark Knight because for whatever reason, I couldn't see it opening weekend. And he was like, I'm going to go see it. I'm like, whatever. So I saw it with my wife. And then my buddy Kaz, who's been on the show, and his wife, the four of us saw it, I think probably the next weekend, after the hype calmed down a little bit. Because I remember, too, it was insane to get even movie tickets for this film. And uh, this, this is one of the defining points of my marriage with my wife when it comes to watching movies. Because this movie terrified the shit out of my wife. And it led her to not watch a whole lot more action movies with me uh, afterwards. So, you know, it is what it is. But this is also one of maybe three, four movies I've ever seen in the movie theater twice. The second time I saw it, I saw it with my parents at the IMAX at Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn. And I was able to watch, you know, the 30 minutes that were with the IMAX 70 millimeter camera. So that was kind of cool that I... I did get a bit of a different experience both times I saw it in the theater. So, yeah, I saw it a couple of times in the theater. I don't remember the second time, but I, I remember seeing it a couple of times. For sure. Yeah. And, and you're, and, and I also remember when it came to the hype, because uh, I was in college when it came out, that like there were students with uh, buttons that said, I believe in Harvey Dent. Do you remember when they had that advertising yeah. going on yep. for a bit? Um, so I, I remember all that too, cause it had Aaron Eckhart, you know, giving a thumbs up, yep. uh, on, on the button. So that was, you know, this, this movie was from the start, you know, good marketing. Obviously Heath Ledger's passing is, is, was a horrible thing to happen. And we'll definitely be talking about it more just because of, like you said, LPJ, like just how astonishing he does in this film. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there when it happens. So. What are some numbers for 2008, uh, Hovercraft Joe? Well, uh, the budget on The Dark Knight is $185 million. This movie grossed domestically $533 million and a worldwide gross of a billion dollars, which I think is the first time we've maybe done a movie on this. It's gotten to a billion. Maybe not. We did The Avengers. That probably The Avengers. Yeah. But still, like, this is the first, I think, uh, comic book movie to get, like, a billion dollars worldwide. So it's, it's an unbelievable gigantic success. I think there was some like insane stat where like after like six days it had already like outperformed like Batman begins as far as like gross or something like yes, it did. something, something really crazy like that. So this, this was a juggernaut. Um, this is fun too. Uh, second week in a row, Rotten Tomatoes, 94% audience score, 94%. There so 
Um, top grossing movies of 2008, believe it or not, number one is The Dark Knight. Uh, number two, Iron Man. Yep. Uh, and number three, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> wow. Um, what do we do in that one? <laughs> uh, 2008 is another year that we have not hit a lot. The only movies we have covered in 2008 are number 23, Tropic Thunder, and number 79, Death Race. So. Okay. Um. I can go over, you know, when, when it comes to these type of movies, this movie has a lot of Oscar nominations. Uh, it was nominated for eight Oscars. It won two of them, both deservingly so, I would say. Obviously, Heath Ledger um, gets Best Supporting Actor for this movie, but then it also wins Best Sound Editing, which is still something that always wows me when I watch this movie, is how terrific it sounds. Um, so there is that, um, at the time, the eight Oscar nominations was the most for a comic book driven movie as a little pop quiz. Do you know what movie it passed? I, I um, do. I, I do. It's, uh, Oh, what it passed. No, I guess I don't know that. I know. I what know it beat it. It. Oh, no. yeah. I know it beat yeah, it. what passed it is what I meant. Oh, it passed. Well, it? no, not what beat it. What passed it? We've done the movie. Believe it or not. Hold on. Are you asking what movie? I'm asking you. It, it it went beyond this movie. So the other movie prior had seven nominations. This movie got eight. So oh, you're asking okay. the movie that went prior to this one. Correct. Yes. The one that was in the lead before The Dark Knight came out. Okay. Yeah. I, I was confused by the way. That, yeah. That I was, so you, gonna, you asked the question poorly. You're a teacher. I probably did because I, well, I plan to give you that other information too, but. Prior, what movie did it beat? Uh, it's something that we've done on the show. We've done it, and I hated it every moment of it. Oh, Spawn! No, yep. Spawn got it's nominated clearly, for eight Oscars. It was obviously what Spawn. the fuck, Hovercraft it's, Joe? It's a comic book what? movie that you what hated. What the hell? Yeah, it's Spawn. Spawn eight Oscars. It's not, it's not Spawn. You hated that. Dick Tracy. Oh, okay, okay. And then, Spawn. <laughs> what are you? I don't, what are you drinking over there, hovercraft Joe? The, the information that I had was that it was a comic book movie that you hated. Now, if Spawn fits that category. I didn't think it got nominated for seven Oscars, but what do I know? Uh, but yes, uh, one that was afterwards that was close to it was Black Panther. Yeah. It had seven, but then what beat the Dark Knight is sounds like you two know. Joker. Yep. It was Joker. Which, which I is have, I've never seen. Just to let you never know. seen it as well. It's man, it's depressing. Um <laughs> the Joker, this is kind of some interesting facts about this. The Joker is the only comic book character to win an Oscar and now has two of them as of last year. Um and there's only one other movie character that has ever gotten two Oscars. Do you know who the other one is? Other besides character. the character character the, of a movie. The, the character? Oh, someone who's the played character. the character. Got Not it. the I actor. Because it's you. two it's two different actors, but they played the same character in different movies. Um and won is the Oscar like, or nominated? Won it. 
Is this like a really something really old or? I wouldn't say really old, but it's old. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I had a, I had an idea in my head, but then when you said it was two different actors, it, it eliminated. Someone, so I got someone nothing. playing Lincoln, maybe. I don't know. No, nope. it is Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro being Vito Corleone from The Godfather uh, Part One right. and Part Two. All right, so, great. All right. I, I think that's a pretty fascinating stat, right? The Joker is the only other movie character to to get two Oscar wins. I find that kind of fascinating. Anyway, I will also say one more thing about the Oscars. I'm sorry. Is there are five, I I like Oscar history, all right? I just find it interesting. There are five Oscar winners in this movie. Yes. Do you know all five? Christian Bale. Yep. Heath Ledger. Yep. Gary Oldman. Yep. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Yep. And it's not Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yep. It is Michael Caine. There you go. That's all five. Uh, Michael Caine. Can you do you have a Michael Caine voice? You can do every day. No. Can you do it. Master, master wine. <laughs> huh, let me let me try. Let me try. Ready? Some 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 men just like to watch the world burn. Alfred. <laughs> Alfred. <laughs> Why would Michael Caine be talking to himself in the Batman voice? <laughs> He's imitating uh, Christian Bale. That's my invitation of Alfred imitating Christian Bale. Batman. I'm Batman. Uh, it's late. <laughs> Guys, it's not late. Just to clarify. It's not late. Just to clarify. Anyways. All right. So that's my Oscar uh knowledge i'm sorry well thank you for that uh i right. i enjoy talking no it's fine uh obviously Welcome our back director- to the last oscar podcast <laughs> uh obviously our director which this is our first christopher nolan film isn't it yes i think it is which i'm kind of surprised well, and right what's, what's interesting to me about that is he didn't he almost didn't return for a sequel yeah which now obviously we know the three films as the nolan batman films um, yep. But he, he was. This was. It was going to be a one-off for him. He wasn't going to do a sequel, and um, they obviously didn't have specific plans for a sequel, uh, and kind of really, really nailed it as far as coming up with something that works. Uh, yep. But you're right. Christopher Nolan also wrote it with his brother Jonathan, uh, yep. and then the story is from Chris Nolan and David Goyer, who is sort of synonymous with. Um, a lot of the pre Marvel comic books. Like he did blade. He did this. Mm -hmm. He had input on a bunch of other comic properties. Uh, David Goyer was kind of the go-to guy before, you know, Kevin Feige and that whole group. Yeah. Now I I know you guys are way more into the comic books than I am, but are you guys Batman fans at all? Cause from what I was reading, it sounds like, they tried to pull from all sorts of different kind of eras of Batman, right? So some of it was from the very first releases of Batman. They took some ideas. Some was maybe more from the 70s or 80s. It depends. Like in this movie, yes, they pulled from different eras, but they all pulled from things that had kind of similar connective tissue. Like it was things that were kind of in the same vein. So you get like Killing Joke which is a much darker story. You get the long Halloween, which is where you get the stuff with Maroney. And that is another, uh, you know, darker story. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, obviously Batman year one, which is the beginning of Batman was from Batman begins, but they carried over some themes from that. Um, yeah. I know Heath Ledger said he, uh, took a lot of his kind of ideas of the Joker from the original kind of incarnation with Bill Finger, how he just, or I'm sorry, Christopher Nolan was talking about how they wanted to introduce him as a fully formed character, kind of like Bill Finger did when he created him in Batman. He just showed up as the Joker. There was no real origin story for him. Uh, Yeah. I thought that was interesting. I read that too, that he really wanted to focus more on Harvey Dent's origin rather than the Joker. He wanted the Joker well-established in this Batman world. Well, and that was, you know, and that was the original idea. They weren't going to have Harvey Dent as Two-Face in this. mm -hmm. It wasn't going to happen until the beginning of the third film. Um, And then they obviously kind of pushed it, pushed it up a bit, pushed that idea into this film. Which I feel like there's there's plenty of superhero movies now, you know, by 2021, where there's more than one villain in the, you know, that that the hero is up against. But this movie, maybe with the exception of these later Avenger movies, does it best. You know, we've seen too many villains and how that has ruined a movie like um, like Spider-Man movies, three. <laughs> Yeah. Or other Batmans, right? Where there's just too much going on. But this movie, I feel like does an expert job at it in that obviously Harvey Dent doesn't become Two-Face until the final, what, 45 minutes of the movie, maybe not even. So it allows you to to get elements of both evilnesses, which are two very different evilnesses throughout the film. I mean, I. I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also can see a version of this movie that. I mean, like, it's. I understand that it's like a culmination of the arc that they set up for Harvey Dent, but it is. I mean, whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll show my cards a little bit. It's a little tacked on. Like, I can see a version of this movie where that stuff isn't. Two Face doesn't get a lot to do in this movie, so it does. In in my mind, seem a little tacked on to the end. The stuff that he does, like that, could easily be a plot of another movie, like you're saying, LBJ. So, I mean, I. I I, I, I don't necessarily think that they had to like, I, I, I almost think that a better version is setting up the origin and then having him in the third movie. But I mean, I, not that I, not that I think they do a bad job with it. I just, I, I, I don't think, I think they flesh out Harvey Dent a lot, but then I think two Face is kind of a little bit like jammed in. I mean, he shows up what, like an hour and 45 hour and 50 minutes into like a two and a half hour movie. So and that's supposedly your other bad guy. So I don't know. And I agree with you. And that's my only problem with this film is I don't get hard. Like, I understand what his motivation is supposed to be. But I don't get. Why he wants to kill Jim Gordon. And I don't really understand his drive to go and do that and, and have it so kind of visceral to him. Like, I get it. I get it. He, his. His fiance gets murdered and they had to pick and choose and all that. But I don't get the blood lust that he has in ki- trying to kill. Um, well, well, his well also, yeah. And I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand why he just, I feel like they, like the Joker's like, ah, well, like it, it wasn't like, I didn't like, it was the Joker's fault. It was the Joker's plan. The Joker's guys did it. So like, if he should be mad at anybody, 
But I, I think you're supposed to believe he's mad at Gordon because it was Gordon's like crooked cops that like basically carried yeah, out the plan I, and all this stuff. I, I am strongly disagreeing with this opinion. I think it makes perfect sense to me why Gordon is kind of the target. But also, I don't, he's not necessarily, he wants to hurt Gordon before he kills Gordon. And oh, that why? is by. Because of all that has happened throughout the movie, it's set up that Dent does not trust Gordon or the people that work with him. And he ends up, after being told again and again and again to trust Gordon, he ends up paying the ultimate price and that his fiance is, or not fiance yet, but you know that his girlfriend is murdered because of that. And so I, what is what does Dent have left? Right? Like he's I, I got nothing. He lost he lost everything. I get it. I get all I get that part. I just don't get why it's focused on Gordon when Gordon's not the one who did anything. Yeah, he let the Joker off he let the Joker off the hook pretty easy. He flipped the coin and he was like, ah, okay. I, I guess I don't see it as him targeting Gordon as much. Like he him into his like kid's try- head. I, I mean exactly. he does he he's does try he does go after the other dirty cops first. He goes after sure. Maroney. Yes. Yeah. He's kind of like he's kind of going through a process of all getting rid of all the people he think wronged him. So and and as Joker also says, Joker pushed him to that madness. Dent is not thinking straight at the end of this movie. Obviously, he is just he he's solely out on revenge. So at least that's how I feel about that's, it. That, now I, I I do get I get your idea, and I do also agree that the Two-Face character is very short-lived in this movie, but that's also kind of what I love about it. It's unique in that that final villain doesn't have a whole lot of showtime, but I find that it's a very emotional showtime that he has. Like, the limited minutes he has is a powerful punch, in my opinion. So that's what makes me okay with it. I do agree. Like, they could have done a whole third movie on Harvey Dent, and turning into Two Face, and I think that still would have been a great movie too. But I don't, I don't have any reservations about how they decided to do it. So, okay. yeah, <laughs> we are, we are getting into it, and we haven't even gotten through the cast yet. We are, <laughs> but you know, this is—I feel like this is one of those movies, though, right? Like it is—it's honestly, it has become as iconic as a T two or a Predator. You know, like. This is just one of the, you know, people say this is the greatest superhero movie of all time. I'm already guessing that you two do not agree with that. Um, but, you know, it's this is what this is canon. This is just one of those big time movies that people look to for for the genre overall. So, I mean, I, I agree with you and I, I, I won't put my cards on the table yet. I would just say that, like, I think that this movie is regarded as like uh like you like unapproachable like honestly like you can't see like there's no problems with it it's perfect and i don't think that's true that's i mean we'll get into it like i i think it's like it's a really good movie and we'll, we'll get into it further but i don't think that it's a perfect movie those are and two I different will, things yes i will totally agree with you like there are fans of this movie that find no fault in it like i do love this movie but there are issues in it so I, right. I will at least promise to you as we go through this episode, <laughs> like I, I'm willing to hear the arguments. And, yeah, and we'll get into it more and I'll cover it more. But I, I take a, some issue throughout this whole series of movies with the characterization of Batman in this. Like I, I don't agree that this is the definitive 
version of Batman as he is portrayed as a character in the comics. I think that they tweak a lot of things in order to fit it. You know, I don't know. We'll cover it some more. I'm sorry. I don't mean to bog us down. <laughs> we have barely scratched the surface on this. What do we, so, what do we want to talk about next? Uh, Probably cast, I guess. Yeah, right? let's do cast. cast and then we'll do music. And net worth. <laughs> oh, net worth. See, we are really off track. Uh, so and taglines. We got Christian Bale uh, back. I mean, basically everybody's back. Christian, oh, not everybody. Christian, not Bale, everybody. Michael Caine, Gary Oldman, uh, they're all back. Morgan Freeman. Um, they did a little bit of recasting with uh, Katie Holmes stepping aside and Maggie Gyllenhaal taking over, and I think it's for the worse. Oh, yeah, I, I can't stand Maggie. Jim Hall in this movie at all. Did, did you see that they offered, like they asked Katie yeah. Holmes to come back and she turned it down. She didn't, she decided not to do it to go do something can I, else. Can I, can I tell you guys something? It's not super nice, but a friend of the podcast, uh, Dave, when we were talking about this movie with him and we were talking about it, he's like, the thing that I find most unbelievable is that two guys would be fighting over Maggie Hall. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, but but it, it, she, she's obnoxious in this film. I don't think she's a very good actress at all. Like, I don't believe her story. Um, yeah, I she's the worst part of this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I mean, yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't I, think you're wrong. I only have a. I only had a couple things as far as role reversal go, and it's basically just for this part. Um, basically, of the ones that they had listed, I think Emily Blunt probably would have been the best choice. Um, but for whatever reason, they didn't select her. And I think the other one was like, um, Sarah, uh, Sarah, Michelle, Sarah Michelle Geller was on the list. Yeah. yeah. yeah she would have been more like a Katie Holmes type. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, I, I was really disappointed to see, to not see Katie Holmes back. Yeah. Great. But I, maybe I, I, she probably just, you know, didn't know that this movie was going to be what it ended up being, you That's know, true. like, but the first one was a huge. The first one was a huge success, though. You know. Yeah, but you know, I think it's also at this time. Wasn't she really big in the headlines with Tom Cruise? Like, I feel like maybe there was some personal matters going on at the time of the well, film. Well, also to a certain extent, this is two thousand eight. This is also like we said when Iron Man comes out. So this is the this is like the start of the superhero movie yes. renaissance. This is oh, the yeah. start of people being like, okay, I'm a respectable actor and I can be in a superhero movie. Like, so. You know, like, yeah, the first one was a big success. Maybe she's like, I don't want this to be my career. But now, you know, if this movie is made now, she might make a different decision because they are, you know, so many famous people and well-respected people are in superhero movies all the time now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the last member of the cast we should mention is Heath Ledger. Uh, yeah. who, Would you mention Aaron Eckhart? Yeah, I mentioned Aaron Eckhart. Okay. S2 phase, Harvey Dent. Um, did you mention Nestor Carbonell? I did not. The mayor? Know, I didn't mention. <laughs> I did not mention. Or Michael J. White. I didn't mention. Oh, Bat, I did not mention Batman. Well, Nestor Carbonell from The Tick. Um, Eric yeah. Roberts, Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, they're all in this too. Uh, <laughs> but Heath Ledger's in it, and, and honestly, like, um, like I, I turned this movie on, and I expected I'd watch it kind of in chunks. Heath Ledger had me so riveted to this movie that I lost track of time and I had watched, I easily watched an hour and a half without realizing it. Yeah. I, it's one of the things that I love about this film is every time I think 
Like, cause it's a long movie, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to chunk yeah. this, but I can't like, I just, I continue to watch it until it's over because of, of how well paced I think the film is and yeah. how, how much ledger drives you into this movie. Right. It's, it's kind of interesting. Cause I, I mentioned on our discord that I had just finished watching actually this past week, uh, a clockwork orange, which it was my first time ever watching it. It's an intense and weird as fuck movie. Yeah. But I found it also interesting that apparently the, the you know, the villain, the protagonist in that movie, uh, Alex DeLange, De is actually Heath Ledger was heavily influenced by um, McDowell's portray of that character from that movie. And that he also borrowed a lot from Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. Yep. Uh, and that essentially Ledger locked himself in his hotel room for a straight month and just like put himself into character as the Joker. And obviously, and, and I remember this was the big news too, when it was announced that he became the Joker was how is he going to compare to Jack Nicholson, you know, and, and his role as the Batman as, as Joker because of how iconic he was, you know, in that first Batman movie, which we've done that episode. You guys should listen. You guys should listen to that episode when you get a chance. Um, and he does like Ledger does an amazing job deviating from the two because they are two very different jokers, sure. but two fabulous jokers, yeah. you know, that they just obviously Heath Ledger portrays a more dark joker. Um, and I think it's what he needed to do so that he could be totally different from what Nicholson well, was a different version wouldn't have fit in this film. different version. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, too, I read. So, you know, those scenes where Joker kind of makes his his videos. Uh, Heath Ledger directed those himself. Yeah, he made them on his own. And then. Yeah. And then. Uh, yeah. Chris Nolan Rowe liked what he did. Yeah. So he showed the first one to Nolan. Nolan's like, this is great. So he made him. So he had him do the rest of them. Yep. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, that's what we got there. Uh, what are we going to do next? Net worths. Yeah, let's buzz through a few net worths. Um, again, I have a, a decent amount for this one, so we'll uh, we'll do it quick. Uh, what do you guys think for Eric Roberts? Mm, five million. Okay. Three million. Eight million. Stop lowballing Eric Roberts. Uh, Gary Oldman. Thirty. Uh, he's at that Dracula money. Um, <laughs> I'm going with thirty-five. Forty million for Gary Oldman. Uh, Aaron Eckhart, he's got that sweet, sweet "thank you for smoking" money. What do you guys think? Wow, it's a great movie. Uh, I'll say only though, like fifteen million. Fifteen million and one dollar. Sixteen million. Yeah, price is right. <laughs> uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Three million. Uh, Ten million. Twenty-five million. Uh, Michael Kane, Michael Kine, thirty-five million, thirty-six million, seventy-five million. Come on, guys! Uh, he does have a file of a history. Then finally, uh, Christian Bale. What about Morgan Freeman? Ooh, I didn't. <laughs> I forgot to do. It. I forgot to do. It. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, you you guys guess uh, Christian Bale, and I look up Morgan right. Freeman real quick. Christian Bale, I'm gonna. He's say, probably doing really well now. 
I'm going to say he's got that sweet yelling at cameramen money. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it was a sound guy, actually. Uh, and it wasn't on this film, actually, too. No, it was the Terminator one. That oh, Terminator Dark Fate. That's right. Or not Dark Fate. What about I'm going to say Genesis. 80 million. Genesis. No, I don't know what to go. Uh, I went 80. Okay. I'm going to say 65. 120 million. <laughs> All right. You guys are lowballing everyone today. All right. So I looked it up. Well, this is the last one. Morgan Freeman. What do you think about Morgan Freeman? He's got that sweet. Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say 80 again. I'm going to say 75. $250 million. What? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, works, man. He does a ton of voiceover, too. I was going to say, it's got to be all that narrations that he does. Man. Man. The the theme of tonight's net worth is you guys lowballing everybody. We were were highballing people last time. You guys were like. 250 puts him like in the top 10, top 20 of people we've covered on the show. Maybe top twenty. Maybe it's top twenty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two. You guys forgot about you guys forgot about all that sweet, sweet Bruce Almighty money. Hey, what about Aaron Eckhart? You forgot him too. Oh, I did, Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> oh, yeah. you did? Oh, I couldn't remember. Yes, <laughs> there were so many. I now I just don't remember. All right, so the music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the music. Hans Zimmer, right? Probably his most iconic theme, I would say at this point, it's suppo- right? And supposedly he actually wrote this one himself. <laughs> yeah. Yes, because Hans Zimmer is such a big deal that he's got a whole bunch of people that work for him. Um, I did read, which was kind of interesting, uh, a whole bunch of the soundtrack of this film. He wrote in the keys of D and in the keys of C because of DC Comics. So I thought that was kind of a cool little factoid there. So, but I believe we have the main theme here, right, yep, LPJ? Here's the main theme from The Dark Knight. a lot to that theme there's a lot of stuff going on in there (laughs) but it's fantastic and and i'll say like zimmer is the master of dissonance when it comes to how he is able to convey the action that is going on in the film and how he can as background noise you know create that 
thrill or or create that mood and environment of what's going on. You know, Zimmer is not a Michael Kamen or a Alan Silvestri or a John Williams when it comes to very iconic sounds, you know, and theme songs. But Zimmer is great, like a John Carpenter even, and just how it's mood setting, the music that he has. This theme is actually kind of melodic, but it's only in very rare points throughout the film. It's it's the other stuff he's doing throughout it that that really, I, I think it's one of the best parts that drive this movie for me is is how well the soundtrack is. Yep. So yep. it works good. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I do have taglines. Uh, do you want me to go through those? Do it. So the two that, I don't know if they're necessarily taglines, but we kind of talked about it earlier. They were big advertising pieces. Is you know One of them is, I believe in Harvey Dent. Uh, and then another one is why so serious, you know, the famous dialogue that um, Heath Ledger has in the film. But then we also have it's all part of the plan. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's that's like one of the things that Joker says, right? When he's like talking about like, yeah, it's all part of the plan. But if I do, people lose their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's well, a bad Heath Ledger, but you got it. Yeah. <laughs> all, all these taglines, I believe, are quotes from the film. Uh, the next one is the night is darkest before the dawn. Yep. Right. Uh, out of the darkness comes the night. Right. Uh, and then welcome to a world without rules is okay. the last one that we have there. Right. So, you know, they're not, again, not spectacular, the, kind of borrowing more from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So those are the taglines there. Um, the only other things that I just a couple other little points I have before we get into the plot is, you know, I found it interesting in some of the research that uh, there's a lot of talk about updating Batman's suit throughout the film. And in the film, he even like pokes fun at it, right? Like Fox says like, oh, you want to be able to turn your head and all that. And apparently like that is legitimately the conversations they had in filming this movie. So Christopher Nolan wanted to update the Batman suit to make it easier for Christian Bale to maneuver in. Um, because again, at that point with superhero movies, there wasn't what we see today. And so, yeah, I just kind of thought that was kind of a neat piece. Well, and and I guess this is the, the opportune time for you to bring it up. Like, yes, they make the new suit, but, and yes, he can move a little bit better, but I still feel like a lot of the action with Batman in this, it does not look fluid. Like even, even when he's got the new suit, I think a lot of it looks very like I don't like. I like a lot of stuff about this movie. I don't like the action scenes that much when Batman's fighting people. I think none of them are choreographed that well. I think they all look a little stiff. Even when he's got the new, even when he's got the new costume, I just they don't look fluid. They look very like herky jerky, and it's like you can tell he's in a bulky costume, and I just. I mean, like a lot of stuff works in this movie, obviously, but none of his like hand-to-hand combat scenes work for me in this. I no, think they it, all look stiff and slow. You're right, especially compared to what we see now in something like Winter Soldier or uh, the later or, or the Avengers movies. Um, like those are beautifully choreographed, and the hand-to-hand fight scenes are tailored to exactly what that character's characterization is. This, it's like generic fighting but not done all that well. Well, and even like, this is going to be maybe blasphemy for some people, but even 
uh, Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice, the like centerpiece Batman scene in that when he's like at the end of the movie, like that to me is a better representation yep. of like a Batman fight scene. Him using his gadgets and like, yep, I agree. like, like so like that's that's one of my things. Like I get that the suit is better made like because that suit that they use the one from batman begins and the one that's in that opening scene like it's very stiff but even when they move to this one i still don't think it has like the kind of like it's not super fluid i i actually completely agree with both of you uh the fighting scenes are are not very well done throughout this movie it's thought of, it seems to me like it's kind of like an afterthought but then the more i think about it as well Maybe it's the Batman suit itself. Maybe it just limits itself in how it's portrayed, you know, because I think like I'm thinking of like the 89 Batman. I think what makes those fighting scenes better is kind of what you were just saying, Hovercraft Joe, is that Michael Keaton's Batman uses the gadgets way more. And I think that makes those action scenes more entertaining Whereas in this one, it's it's more trying to do like the hand to hand combat, and it does come off pretty flat. I, yeah. I definitely it, agree with just, that. There's just not a good range of mobility in it, so it's like you get like a like it's it just looks like it's like like it's like hey like when they do like the rehearsal for the scene, they're like well let's do it like half speed or something, and like that's yeah. what I feel like you get. And I mean, it doesn't. It, it, uh, you know, it's like Ultimately, there's not that very many fight scenes that are like that, so it doesn't really no. impact it a whole lot, right? But the ones that yeah. the ones that are there stand out to me, I guess. right? And, you know, and honestly, if you think about the fight scenes that work the best, it's the one at the end where he's clearing out that building full of um, the Joker's men. He does use his gadgets, or he's that, using though. his gadgets, and he's actually, using or he's in the terrain. shadows, or he's in the shadows. Yeah, right? yeah. It's not yeah. the ones where I, he's overtly fighting people in a parking garage. Right. No, no you're, you're absolutely, I 100% agree on that point. Uh, the only other thing I wrote down before we get into the film itself is that uh, I found it interesting because it's another movie that we did. So did you guys read that apparently Christopher Nolan devoted like the first week towards just watching movies? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. For, for his cast and crew. And one of those movies was actually the very first one was Heat. Yep. Uh, and I believe on the on the episode of Heat that we did here on the show, we actually referenced this movie because of how he stole a lot of the sound editing. And a lot of those bigger Gotham City cityscape scenes, very reminiscent of what we see from that Heat movie. Right. And, and that makes sense to me. I mean, this movie ultimately, yes, it's a superhero movie, but it is more a crime drama than it is, in my mind, a traditional superhero movie. That's not to say it doesn't work. That's not to say it doesn't work, but it's not like it it has the Batman and it has the Joker and Two Face in it. But it's really more about, like you said, like a heat, like a crime drama. So it makes complete sense that that was one of his influences on this movie. And and that's something else. I'm happy you brought that up, Hovercraft Joe, because that is something else that I kind of realized watching this movie this time around. Is again, since we've been doing action movies for this podcast for so long. It, it actually surprised me a little bit in how the action in this movie is either not great or not existent, right? This movie definitely plays off more as a crime drama thriller than it does a superhero movie that we think of today with what sure. the MCU has done. Yep. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, 100%. Yep. All right. 
So, uh, we, we start the movie with a very iconic scene, right? And that is uh, Joker with some men robbing a bank, right? Uh, particularly a, a bank that has money in there from the mob. Yeah, which, we, as we, we get our boy, William Tinker. Yeah, he shows up. Who was in Heat, right? Yeah, he shows up as like the, the mob guy. He's like, do you know who money this is? I like that he shows up in it. He doesn't get killed though, right? Like he still lives. Yeah, he doesn't die. Uh, no. He's, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah, left there right. on the ground. Yeah, it's right. a gas grenade. It's gassed, yep. Yeah. And so it's, you know, I think that just from the beginning, this movie sets off uh, a great attitude with the sound uh, and everything that's going on with it. Like it just sounds like just the, the sound of the weapons and, and the feet and just everything going on. It just, yeah. Like the stomping of the feet (laughs) and all of that. All right. We got it. There's good sounds. I, I will you say, you though, don't I, like talking about feet, LPJ. That's your issue. I will say, though, that, like, and, and maybe I'm wrong. I've seen this movie a lot of times, and I feel like that that, it, like, when that bus backs up and supposedly hits the guy, like, that looks so bad to me. Like, it never even touches him. Like, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, well, maybe I just didn't pay attention close enough. But it's like they yank him back, I feel like, well before the bus gets there. I mean, nitpick, but... Ah. I like to think more that maybe it was the building that fell on him, not the bus that hit him. But no, you are right. It's <laughs> it's not it's not quite there. Um, but it's it's a cool scene because I like how each person, you know, is being told that if you kill another guy on the team, you're gonna collect more of the money that gets earned. So you just see it one by one. They keep picking each other off. And yeah. then it's fun, you know, that the one guy is trying to pick off the Joker, who the Joker has on his own mask. So we don't quite know yet that he's the Joker. Yep. And that's when, yeah, the bus runs him over. But then also it's his talk with with Fickner that we then see him take off that mask and famously says, you know, I believe whatever doesn't kill you makes you stranger. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, we get that iconic moment in the film. Uh, from that point. Um, we see kind of another fun scene where there's this kind of mobster deal going on in a, in a garage, in a parking garage. And this is where like the Batman copycats are, are out and about, you know, because Batman is cleaning up the streets. There's all these other people well, in Gotham well, that want to act like Batman. Well, don't forget, we get the uh, cameo from Scarecrow from the first from Batman Begins shows yep. up, which I think is a nice little thing. And I love that my secret favorite character in the movie is the mob boss with the dogs. And he's like, my dogs are hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. He's awesome. He is pretty sweet. He is like he's definitely like he might be a legit mobster in real life. He's got the look, <laughs> you know. Uh, so obviously, you know, there's this fight scene that breaks out with the um with the Batmans that aren't real. Yeah. But then we see, you know, Christian Bale actually, you know, he, he just (laughs) dives right into the concrete wall with the tumbler. So, you know, that Batman has arrived, not very inconspicuous for trying to be Batman, but whatever. Um, And yeah, you just, you see the scene where he ends up taking everybody out. You know, he tells the one guy, Hey, I'm not wearing hockey pads. Right. So can you do do that in your uh, Christian Bale voice, LBJ? I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> That's good, actually. That actually is really good. 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 So, yeah. So then we get that idea, too. 
and then we get our introduction into Dent and Rachel, right? So they are in court with Maroney, I believe. Um, they're trying to bring up charges on him. Again, we get a pretty cool little action scene where the guy that's on the stand uh, is messing around. You know, he's got sworn affidavits that he's lying, and then he pulls out a gun on Dent. Dent just snaps that fucker right from him and just takes him out and then unloads the gun. That's a kind of cool scene. I like that. Yeah, it was a bit. It might be the best action scene in the movie. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's a pretty no, good one. No, no, no. That's not the best one. So it's good, but it sounds, you know, we find out that even though, like, this part was kind of weird to me, you know, again, I, I'm not saying this is a perfect movie, but Maroney gets out. So even though, like, they create this whole conversation, you know, that there's the court setting and all of that, like, he's let go. You know, they didn't win that case. Right. Right. So Maroney's well, the guy, free. the guy that was supposed to flip on him didn't flip on him, so they didn't have any evidence. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, that, <laughs> that's the I, I mean, you're, yes, that's it. No, yeah, I know. You're not wrong. It's just, you know, it's it, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and at that point, um, we then find out that Dent meets with Commissioner Gordon. Right. And there he's trying to ask for warrants on all these different banks because they want to. Essentially, they want to mark the bills that is well, at the well, bills are already marked. They, they, they have been, already they, marked. they've been like slight, they've been lightly irradiating the bills so they can detect them, and they've been using them like in drug busts and stuff like that. So, all these bills that they marked, they've been able to tell where the mob's keeping their money because they put them into circulation. So, they want to they want to go into all these banks where the mob's keeping their money and seize all of it. And that's what he's asking for warrants. Yeah, essentially, that's yeah. their plan. Their plan is if they can cut off their supply of money, they can limit what they can do and then slowly pick them off, you know, when they get more evidence. Um, and so they, they get these the idea to hit all the banks at the exact same time. Um, exactly. Obviously, right. Dent is a little worried about it because, you know, it's a tricky thing to do. They got to hit all five at the same time without tipping off the mob. And Gordon assures him that he can do that uh, because of his small group that he has. And then Dent reminds him, well, you know what? I investigated half of your team when I was right. in internal affairs. Uh, but again, they, they decide to go ahead and go through with the plan. Yeah. And so that's where um, we see Rachel and Dent are out for dinner. And Bruce Wayne shows up at the same restaurant that he owns. He makes sure to <laughs> to let us know that he owns the restaurant. Uh, and he's with a, uh, was a Russian ballet star. Yep. The prima, uh, the prima ballerina for the Russian yeah. uh, the Moscow like baller, ball, ballet. <laughs> Thank you. It's late. Yeah, it's not late. Anyways. Um, but I like so, the yeah. scene where, where he, you know, he's, he's essentially he's antagonizing Dent. So he's like, oh, you're into ballet? And then, you know, he, you know, Dent's also like, oh, you know, Rachel told me so much about you. And he's like, well, I hope not everything. Uh, 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 right. Get it? Because he's well, I he's don't Batman. think, he, you know, in this scene, I don't think he's antagonizing Dent so much as he's testing him. He's seeing what kind of man he is because he has this idea. That, so the whole crux of, of the Batman in this film is he's trying to get to a point where Gotham doesn't need Batman anymore, which, again, yeah. you know, that's pretty hit or miss as far as the Batman character in general, but in Christopher Nolan's Batman, 
That's his motivation is to get get to a place where he doesn't have to be Batman. And the whole idea of this movie is he sees Harvey Dent and Harvey Dent can be the legitimate force of good and not the vigilante force of good that Batman is. And so this scene really is him testing Dent to see if he's worthy of being the, the, the lawful successor to Batman to help protect the city in the way it needs to be protected, not in the way that it currently is protected. Exactly. Right. Cause Dent says like, you know, the people of Gotham, we kind of appointed Batman to act as this masked vigilante that's running around town. And you're right. Right. Wayne is trying to figure out, can this guy be trusted? Can he lead me away from this? And this is also where we get the famous quote, that gets recycled at the very, very end where Dent says, you know, either die the hero or you live long enough, you know, that you become the villain. So right. we see that that, that introductory um, line gets brought in there as well. And then we get our, our grand true introduction to the Joker, right? Cause the mob is having a meeting like in some restaurant kitchen. Uh, Lau, who is, you know, some business guy in Hong Kong. He was trying to, merge in some deal with Wayne Enterprises, but Fox didn't really like what was going on there. It seemed like there was some dirty money. So we'll, we'll get to that part of the plot maybe a little bit later. But eventually we do find out exactly that he is dirty and that he has actually already moved all of the mob money uh, to him, you know, over to him in Hong Kong. Well, it's not in and Hong Kong. So, it's moved to well, it's a, not there yet. It's moved yeah. to a specific location. Discreet. They moved to a specific location altogether in one place that he has protected to keep it away from the cops and out of the bank. Yes. And so that's where the Joker gives his very hideous laugh. And he essentially tells the mobsters, don't trust this guy. Right. He's a weasel. You know, he's a squealer. He gets, he's a, he's a I know squealer. A, I know a squealer when I see one is what he says. Yeah. And, and states that, you know, even though the Gotham City police, you know, they only have they have a limited jurisdiction. Batman has no jurisdiction. He can chase Lau on all the ends of the earth if he needs to, to get him to talk, to find out where the money is, to connect the money to all the mobsters, all that good stuff. But then, you know, we get that great scene where Joker is Joker and he's like, you know, who wants to watch me make the pencil disappear, right? So he shoves it right on the table there and he grabs Gamble's uh, I, little henchman and just slams him right just, into it. I just got to say, I love Michael Jai White and I yeah. love him in this movie as Gamble. <laughs> I, I, I love when the Joker is like talking and he tells him, he's like, yeah, poor Gamble won't be able to get a nickel for his grandma. <laughs> it's so funny. Did you, uh, Sphinx, I know you would appreciate this. Did you see that there's a specific reference when he says enough from the clown, it is a callback to a line that he said as spawn to John Leguizamo in the spawn movie when he was a uh, violator. So I thought you would appreciate that. Oh yeah. I fucking loved it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I like it too that, you know, Gamble's done with it. So he like gets up to get ready to attack Joker and Joker's got freaking like what? 15 grenades all tied together in his yeah. pocket. Yeah. It, it, it's just a great introduction to the Joker. Cause you realize the dude's crazy, but he also has a very legitimate point and he's trying to convince the mobsters well, that the, you can do whatever it is you want to do, but in the grand scheme of things, you got to get rid of the Batman. 
and I can make that happen for you. So he kind of leaves letting them know like, hey, like, here's my card. I'll be there when you need me. And, you know, there's also the whole thing, too, because obviously Joker is ripping them off of their money. That was the bank robbery we saw in the beginning of the film. So they're all pissed that he's stealing from them, essentially, as well. Yeah. So Uh, from that point, you know, we we get Fox introduced uh, Lucius Fox a little bit more. You know, they talk about the new suit that that Batman wants. Uh, And then um, there is a plan, a plot and how they're going to get Lao from Hong Kong that gets discussed. Um, And that was I just like. Yeah, I like the it is very James Bond, right? So I like that the idea, though, from Alfred is that they needed to bring all the the Russian ballet dancers to Bruce Wayne's uh, yacht. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, when Wayne leaves, you know, Alfred's got the whole place to himself. Lucky him. Uh, but then the next scene becomes that the Joker has been, quote unquote, taken in, right? Or that he was killed by some goons. We find out that the whole scene is staged. Right. The people that brought in Joker actually working for Joker. Joker is not dead in the bag. He comes, you know, he's truly alive, sticks the knife on Michael J. White. And, um, you know, we get the first of two stories about how the Joker gets his scars. Right. And it is right. The storytelling of how he delivers, you know, how it happens is just. It's just captivating, right? I don't know any other better word to say. I just think he does an amazing job. When he's on the screen, you can't take your eyes off of him and you can't stop listening to him because it's just, it's a transcendental performance that he's giving. Like it it is unreal. And um, I mean, I don't really, can you think of another time you've watched an actor and really thought, damn, that's, that's really good. Like, I I mean, off the top of off the top of my head, no, but I know that there's been moments in movies that <laughs> right. I've felt that way, but yeah. yeah like um, Michael Jai White in Spawn. There it is, right there. <laughs> <sighs> John yeah, Leguizamo okay. as the violator in Spawn. Shut up about Spawn, damn it. <laughs> Spawn as the dog remember, in Spawn. Remember when he farts and like the cloud of green gas yeah. comes up behind him? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Spawn. Anyways, sorry, Swings, go ahead. Fucking hate you all. Uh, so then we get, yeah, we get this kind of James Bond scene where, yeah, Batman is in Hong Kong. I remember this scene because this was the longest scene that they had used the 70 millimeter IMAX uh, camera for. So I remember when I saw it that second time at the IMAX theater, like just how large it was. Like, do you remember Henry Ford? Have you ever been to the Henry Ford Museum movie theater? That is a huge fucking movie theater. Uh, yeah, I saw episode <laughs> two, Attack of the Clones, there, so I'm very familiar with it. Uh, I'm sorry that was. I'm sorry that was the one you chose. I saw <laughs> a New Hope there. That was pretty cool. Anyway, uh, and it's a cool, you know, not as much Batman, but definitely James Bondish scene, right? He's got his yeah. fun little toys and gadgets. He he breaks into. Um, you know, to get Lau. And he does. He beats up a couple guys. Uh, meanwhile, all this happens because Fox also went to Hong Kong and he left his phone there. And the phone apparently does something to the power. Not really a whole lot said about how that happens, but whatever. It's a, it's a um, gadget. Batman uses a gadget. A gadget. 
Exactly. Right. And I'll just say this now. That whole sonar gadget is overused in this movie. Uh, that's a problem I have with it. Anyways, keep going. Yeah. So we have that. Um, uh, they only use it twice. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad, but whatever. Um. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I think when we get to the end of the movie, I think he uses it to locate the Joker and then he's still using it when he goes in the building, which is like, all right, maybe he wants to know who the bad guys are. Then he gets up to the top floor where the Joker is and it's just the Joker and he's still using the sonar and then he gets like hit in the head and it's not working right. Why were you still using it? You're in the room with the guy and he's right in front of you. That I didn't understand why he was still using it up there. But can he take it off? It seemed to me like it was kind of like stuck. It was just like, it was like like on his eyes. Like I'm sure it was just something you turned on. We're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. Well, I I don't know. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, you know, I think it's at this point now that um, I'm trying to remember here. What do I got here on my notes? So (laughs) yeah, he he leaves off. He leaves Lao uh, at the police station, drops him off. Um, we, we get the first video of the Joker, uh, making his own video and he warns Gotham city, you know, that people will die every night, uh, unless the Batman reveals who he is. Right. So we have that happen. Uh, and that is where, yeah, we, we have quite a scene here where there's kind of three things going on all at once. Right. So, we we first see a little bit of a scene where the judge from the beginning of the movie that was in the Moroni trial uh, is being thrown into witness protection. We then have another scene where the commissioner at the time, you know, commissioner or not commissioner Gordon yet, but commissioner Lowe. Gordon, yeah, it's commissioner right? Lowe. Yeah, commissioner Lowe, but I mean, detective Gordon uh, goes to the commissioner to try to let him know that his life is at risk. Uh, but then we also have the fundraising campaign for Harvey Dent that Bruce Wayne is holding. So all three of these individuals have become the target's Joker, or have been the target's Joker, the Joker's target. Holy cow! Um, because there was DNA in some playing cards that was sent to the police that had all three of their DNAs on there. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So we get the scene. Where the judge blows up in her car. We get the scene where the commissioner gets poisoned by his drink that's in his office. And then we get, you know, the confrontation of the Joker is going after Harvey Dent. It, that's Bruce Wayne's penthouse, right? That, that Yeah, so Bruce Wayne is having a fundraiser at. for Harvey Dent. Because he says at the, yeah. in, at the dinner table, if I throw the fundraiser for you, you'll never have to worry about money ever again for any of your campaigns. So they're, yeah. have to, they're at this fundraiser. And the Joker shows up looking for Harvey Dent because that's his last on his hit list, right? Of course, obviously, the Joker doesn't realize that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And so Batman slips, Bruce Wayne slips off to try and go get his gear. Uh, well, I do, I do like, there. I do, I do like, like he, how he slips off. <laughs> yeah. I like how he, I like how he knows that the Joker's coming from, so he comes up and he puts Harvey in that chokehold uh-huh. and chokes him out. He carries so he, him out. Yep. That's really cool. Um, and I also like the two people that are like making out in the room. They're like, oh, good. You got a panic room. And then he just he like locks it. They're like, also, oh. explain this to me. So the Joker shows up. He grabs Maggie Gyllenhaal. He gives his second speech about how he got his scars and all this stuff goes on. And somehow Batman sneaks into that room and nobody sees him. And he's like, you're going to love me. And it's yeah. Like, 
You were in the middle of the room. Anyways, the Joker throws Maggie Gyllenhaal out the window of the building. Batman dives after her, grabs her. They fall all the way to the ground, land on a car, and they're fine, which I don't understand. Yeah, and it, it especially game. doesn't make sense when at the end of the movie, when he falls, like there's a thought that maybe he's <laughs> dead. And yeah, this obviously good. seems to be, I don't know, 30, 40 floors that he falls. In, in a supposedly less protective suit that he's now currently wearing. Yeah, yeah well. Yeah, I didn't um, understand that part either. I do. So, but he does save her. Um, you get the next scene. I like when he's talking to Alfred about the Joker and he gives that story. Uh, basically, the lesson of it is, you know, like some criminals, what's he say? He says some men just want to watch the world burn. Like, so there's not always like a plan. They just like, um, uh, then there's that thing where like he goes and he finds those guards that are killed. And like, there's that, I, I feel like it's overcomplicated where he's like, he's supposed to be doing detective work, but with the bullets in the wall and he's like firing other yeah. bullets in the yeah. wall. And then he, he reconstructs the bullets to get a fingerprint. It's overcomplicated in, in my opinion. Um, I, it's, it's trying to do a little bit too much to figure out a henchman of the Joker. Right. Well, he's trying to, yeah, because so he can figure is, out where the next target yeah, is. Yeah, because basically be. the Joker says he's going to kill the mayor, so they're trying to sort it out. Um, we also get the little side plot where Reese, who's a guy who's doing like consultative work for Wayne Enterprises, he kind of figures out that Bruce Wayne, that all this money is being funneled to uh, R&D, and he recognizes the plans for the Tumblr. I do love that little bit where like, Lucius is like, so you think your client, one of the most wealthy men in the world, is also a vigilante who spends his night beating on criminals and your uh, plan is to blackmail this individual. He's like, good luck. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah, the guy just goes like, oh, I love that part. Um, so yeah, he, so they have this big thing. It's like the funeral for the commissioner, uh, the Joker and his dudes are described as the honor guard. They try and kill the mayor. Gordon gets in the way and seemingly gets killed, uh, saving the mayor um so it's just it's complete it's complete chaos that's going on right i mean you know gordon is shot presumably dead you know dent and rachel yeah mayor is almost killed dent and rachel are being thrown somewhere for safety but then dent runs away because now he's had enough of it so he kind of confronts you know one of the shooters that the joker hired um you know that whole thing goes on You get get Batman going, kind of like trying to figure out. He goes after uh, Eric Roberts. You got that great scene where he's holding him over the building. And Eric Roberts is like, he's like, he's like, you know, a fall from this won't won't kill me. And he's like, I'm counting on it. And he drops him and it just both his ankles are like, just like break. That's a. That is that is really cool. So he basically the Joker's like and his whole thing is he wants the Batman to unmask and turn himself in. So Bruce Wayne decides he's gonna do it. They're in the Batcave, which I have a question, like that temporary Batcave under the construction site has like a big furnace for some reason. But anyways, that's a conversation for another day. Um so Harvey decides he says he's the Batman, uh, instead of before Bruce can turn himself in. So they're transferring him uh to a different part of town, to a different prison. That's where you get the probably my favorite action sequence yeah. in the whole movie, which is like this prison transfer where the Joker attacks the combo and he's in like this 18 wheeler and they're like, he's trying to shoot at the thing and he gets like the rocket launcher. You know, this and, might be the movie that has the second most rocket launchers in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, true. Joker then, lights off like 10 of those rocket launchers. And so here's like, a question too for this movie. Batman shows up in the tumbler 
and he runs into that garbage truck. He seemingly kills that guy driving the garbage truck, right? Because uh, yeah, I think so. It like slams into the roof, like and like the whole thing is like his no kill code. But I think he killed that guy in the maybe. In the, maybe he, maybe he's just not killing people directly with his hands. Also, I have a note that also I have a note that says, "Are semi trucks that fast?" Because that that no. semi truck is falling in that scene, like keeping up with everything. But um, I I will say too, as a personal story, because this always makes me laugh. So I mentioned earlier in the episode how like this is the movie that started terrifying my wife for like superhero ish movies. So we were in Chicago a couple of years after the movie came out. And we were actually walking on Lower Wacker Drive where, you know, this whole scene is shot. And mm-hmm. like out of nowhere, I like screamed at her. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the Joker. And she fucking jumped like 20 <laughs> feet and like hysterically screamed. She was so angry with me. I was it was it was like perfect. I was like, this you is know, awesome. You know who else she was in me. Chicago at the time this movie was filming? Uh, they were also filming the movie Wanted. And yeah, so. And more- Morgan Freeman was shooting. Well, Morgan Freeman was shooting both those movies, yeah, and he was just going them. back and forth. Going back and forth, yeah. at the same time. Mark Miller and Laura Schuler Donner uh, were they're the producers of Wanted. Mark Miller is the guy that wrote the comic book. They mm-hmm. snuck onto the set of this movie and like got kicked out because Mark Miller was riding on the motorcycle. He was like <laughs> on top of the motorcycle taking pictures with it, and so they kicked him off now- the set. Now we know why Morgan Freeman's got 250 mil. He's fucking doing two movies at the same time. Yeah. So Hey, it worked. They're both filming <laughs> but, in Chicago. But, but, but you are right. It's it's a great fighting scene altogether. Where I have issue with it, though, but it's like I still enjoy it every bit, is how does the Joker know that they're going to have to get off of the lower Wacker Drive and then he knows where the helicopter is going to be so that his henchmen are... Well, properly yeah, placed in the listen, right spot to put it down. And, and listen, this like, is speaks to this speaks to one of my bigger like nitpicky issues, but I'll just say it now. The whole thing about the Joker is we get the scene where he's talking to Harvey Dent and he's like, oh, all these other people have plans. I don't have a plan. I don't have I don't do plans. I'm like a dog chasing a car. But it's like he has very detailed specific plans that are insane that they work out. So for him to be like, well I don't have plans, it's like, are you sure? Because you seem to have very specific plans that seem insane that they play out the way that you think they would. I 100% agree with you, right? Like his plan, like he's got everything planned to a T like, he knows, yeah. he, like at least that's what it seems like in the film. Yeah. Like he's got every possibility. I know they're going to arrest me and then they're going to arrest me. I'm going to put this bomb. sew it inside this guy. So then when this happened, it's like, okay, anyways, but I think the main thing we need to remember is that they actually flipped a semi truck for the yeah. scene. Like that's a practical yeah. effect. And it looks cool as hell. But my question is, like, the Joker's not just, like, if you were in a semi-truck that completely flipped over, the Joker, like, gets out of that truck and he's a little woozy, but then he's fine. I'm like, he's not walking away from that. But I I do like right afterwards, it's kind of a homage to the 89 Batman, you know, where Joker's in the middle of the street. He's kind of taunting Batman, you know, hit me, hit me, just like, you know, Jack Nicholson does. I don't understand. Dan, though, I mean, I know Batman has the rule not to kill people. We've already established that he probably killed the garbage truck guy. Yeah. But why Why the f- fucking kill the Joker? Like, why didn't he just run him over? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing with Batman. He doesn't kill people. So, I mean, yeah. um, I know. But it's, but it's like, 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 can't you can't you set your ethics aside for this like menace? You know, but anyway, um, I get but it. But it, 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 it turns. Is. 
it turns out that Gordon wasn't dead. He was alive. He was driving the truck the whole time. It was all set up so they could catch the yeah. Joker. Uh, they take him to major crimes. That, that very specific weird thing I always think they mention where they're like, his clothing is custom. And I'm like, why do they always mention that? Like, what were they going to do if they knew it was from like the Gap or something? Anyways. <laughs> I mean, maybe um, they could like trace a receipt. I don't know. I don't think Joker's using credit cards either, but whatever. So they find out that Dent has been kidnapped. Um, there's a and Rachel. Where, well, they don't know she's been kidnapped at this point in time. I think they just know that Dent is. They don't know that. Oh, uh, that Dent didn't come home. You're right. right. Yeah. Yep. So you got one of the probably best scenes in the movie where uh, Batman in- interrogates the Joker, and he just is just beating the shit out of him, just like. And it's so great because the Joker, he's like he knows. He finds out that he has Dent and that he has Rachel, and he's just like trying to get him to tell him where he is. And the Joker's just like, "You have nothing to threaten me with." Like I, you, it, like it I, is, I love that scene so much. It is the way again, the way that he says it, because he is just like a maniac laughing. Like there is nothing you can do to threaten yeah. me. Like he's I like, literally all, have yeah. all the cards, all you your power, nothing yeah. to threaten me with. So. Um, he's like, I'm going to tell you where they are, uh, and you're going to decide who lives or dies. They're both in like these big rooms. They're strapped to bombs with all these oil drums. He gives them the two locations. He runs off to get one. He's like, I'm going to go get Rachel. Sends Gordon to go get Dent. He gets to his location, but it turns out the Joker lied to him, and that's where Dent is. Uh, Gordon doesn't get to Rachel in time. She blows up. Um, he gets dent out, uh, but then like he already had some gasoline on his face. Conveniently, he catches on fire and somehow it sticks to the one side of his face where I feel like if your face caught on fire, it probably your whole face would catch on fire. But anyways, um, so that's how he gets how, how in the comic books does Harvey become two face? Uh, It's not, it's not this way. No, in the comics, um, Maroney's on trial. He is sitting at the witness stand and as dent walks up to him maroney throws acid in his face oh that's right batman forever referenced that in like a tv commercial <laughs> yeah, right or something like do that? you remember the great scene of batman forever <laughs> yeah. where batman is in that's the courtroom right. in full costume <laughs> <laughs> seemingly like in the audience and he dives to try and stop yeah. it but, um, you're right so anyways so rachel dies um, the Joker also has another plan. He implanted a bomb in the stomach of the guy that's in the in the cell, and he sets it off, and he blows up major crimes, uh, and he gets away. Um, uh, jo- this is where I have a note that says the Joker planned all of this somehow. He knew it was all going to shake out this way, which is like, okay, fine. Um, you get that really bummer part where uh, Alfred, like you hear the letter that Rachel <laughs> wrote Bruce, yeah. and it's basically like, yeah, I said we could be together if the city never needed Batman, but that's not true. I'm going to marry Harvey. You'll always need to be Batman. It's a real bummer. Uh, he doesn't let Bruce read it. Um, Reese, the guy we talked about earlier, decides he's like, I can't take enough. He's going to go on Anthony Michael Hall's show. He's going to expose who Batman is. Joker doesn't like this. He's like, hey, uh, if you guys don't, someone doesn't kill him, I'm going to blow up a hospital in Gotham. So all these people are trying to uh, trying to kill him. Um, I do really yeah, he, like he Essentially, he tells, he says that, you know, someone needs to kill that guy in, in an hour. Otherwise, he's going to blow up a hospital. And so, yeah, that's where we get the, the confrontation now between Dent and Joker in the well, hospital no, room. I, where he's dressed I, let, up as a nurse. 
Right, but let's let's we don't have to dwell on it. But let's not skip over one of my favorite scenes is where they go to the warehouse where the Joker's got all the money, where all the mob's money yeah. is, and he's like he's sitting on top of it and he slides down it. And I like that little bit where he throws the money and it hits Lau in the face, uh, and the guy with the dog shows up, and the Joker just burns all the money, just to, like to show like how much he doesn't care about any of it. He just burns like millions and millions of dollars so uh, that that happens before he goes to the hospital i just want to throw that out there yeah but but like you we kind of mentioned the parts of the hospital scene anyway right how he talks about he's a dog chasing cars but he doesn't have a plan even though he said well you kind of do have a plan like all that happens but you know he talks about how pathetic the schemers are you know we need to upset the order this is where harvey famously uses the coin you know, create chaos. We'll just rule it by chance, whether or not we live or die. We find out that, you know, Harvey lets the Joker live um, and that Harvey obviously escapes as well. And then the damn hospital blows up. I want to say real quick, because you, you kind of moved through it quick because I know we are running long, but um, I didn't think until it happened that Rachel was going to be killed. Like that was kind of at the first watch. A, a bit uh, yeah, I, I think it's a surprising thing on the first yeah. watch. I agree with you on that. I think yeah. it's, you don't expect it to happen. The and, very and, your and first I, viewing of it. And honestly, too, like I didn't think a hospital was actually going to blow up. I thought he was kind of bluffing, but he he torches that fucking hospital, right? It uh, explodes. That's actually a real hospital that they really exploded. Uh, it was scheduled for demolition. So they got the ability to film in it and then they filmed the explosion of them, you know, imploding this or exploding this uh, hospital. And, so, and through these scenes, I just feel like it continues to increase, you know, the chaos of the Joker and just how he is willing to just let the world burn. You know, he's continuing to one up, you know, the, the craziness that he's trying to do here. So. So the, the crux of the final scene is that after he blows up the hospital, the Joker's like, listen, I planted more bombs uh, on the bridges, on the tunnels, like everyone's trying to get out of the city, but they, they don't trust those. So they, they load up these two ferries, picture like the Staten Island ferry. They load one up with all the criminals that Harvey arrested because they're like, we got to keep them. Otherwise, this is for nothing. And then one of civilians, they get out into the middle of the water turns out the jokers rigged both of them to explode each boat has a detonator for the other boat and the whole crux of it is the joker wants to prove that everyone's just the same as him and that they'll turn on each other given given a choice so he's like either you blow up the other boat or i'm gonna blow them both up at midnight can i say why no one checked the bottom of the boat to make sure that it was safe (laughs) and if you're trying to get as many people out of gotham as you can wouldn't you like fill the bottom with as many people as you can? And then you would have found out <laughs> that, oh shit, the boat's rigged. Well, maybe just, anyways, but I think it's important maybe to know in all that, the chaos. They were moving fast. I don't know. It was, it's know. important to know that tiny Zeus Lester is one of the, one of the guys on the boat. He's a criminal. I do love that scene where he's like, he goes up to the guy who's got the detonator. Cause no one can decide. No one wants to do it. He's like, he's like, give that to me. He's like, I'll, t- I'll tell him I took it very force. He's like, I'll do what you should have done a half hour ago. And he gives it to him and you think he's going to blow it up and he just throws it out the window. Because neither of them, that's like the whole thing. The Joker, Batman shows up where the Joker is. Joker's got like his hostages disguises as clowns. He makes it up to the Joker. They fight a little bit. uh, And the Joker's convinced 
that they're going one of these boats is going to blow up. But the whole thing is they don't like they they prove to him that they're not as ugly as him, that they're not as warped as him because they won't blow each other up. Um, so Batman like stops him. <laughs> there's, that, there's that part where I don't know. I don't know if it holds up, but where he's like, he's like, oh, did, did I ever tell you how I got my scars? And he's like, no, but I know how he got these ones. And he's got like that thing on his arm where it shoots the spikes out. Um, and then the Joker falls. And I have to say, like, I never picked up on this before, but the fact that he is somehow able to catch the Joker when the Joker's falling, like that shot is like, there's no way he would make that shot to get the like, uh, uh, whatever you want to batarang or whatever it is, like the grab, like around his leg to catch him before he falls. But anyways, you know, nitpicky stuff. But I like that little bit where he's like, um, where he's like, He's like, why do you want to kill him? And he's like, kill you. He's like, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? He's just like, <laughs> yeah. He's just like this. He's like, the cops are boring. But so he ca- he catches the Joker. But then the whole thing while this is going on, Harvey as Two Face is kind of gone. He's killed the crooked cops that kind of uh, turned uh, him and uh, Rachel over. He's gone and got Eric Roberts, and now he's tricked Gordon's family, and he's got Gordon there, and he's like, listen, I'm going to make you suffer as much as I did. I'm going to make you watch the person you love most kill, and so he's going to kill his son. Uh, Batman shows up and tries to talk him down from killing his son. Uh, ends up, like, they're on, like, the building where Rachel died, I think is what it is. It's, uh, yeah, they're at, they're, yeah. So he, like, saves his son... And he like knocks Harvey off the building. Technically, I guess he kills him too because he knocks him. Yep. He knocks him and they fall and Harvey's dead. And he's like, they think he's dead, but he's not. And then like the whole thing of the ending is they're like all this good work that Harvey did. If people find out that he killed these people and he became a criminal, it's all going to be for nothing. None of it's going to stick. So Batman's like, listen, tells Gordon, he's like, call it in, blame it on me. I can take it. You guys will come after me. Harvey will still seem like the good guy. All his good work will still stand and I'll just, you know, you'll hunt me, you'll chase me. And you get that montage of him like smashing the uh, bat signal. And, you know, that that's kind of how it ends. Right. Well, you also get the, in the montage, Alfred burns that letter. So Bruce never gets to read what Rachel wrote. it. Yeah. And I'll just say too, overall, it's another example of how well I think, Christopher Nolan is taking all of this stuff and bringing it all together at the end, right? Like it's, again, it's, there's three things going on at once, right? Like you've got the, you know, this ethical question going on in the fairies about whether or not they're going to blow up the other one. You got, you know, the, the building where the Joker is and you've got Harvey Dent running around shooting people. Like all of these scenes are just bouncing back and forth and back and forth that kind of helps create, the chaos that is essentially what you're watching, you know? And I just, I think it's really well done overall. So. Yep. I agree. And that's, um, but yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the end. The police is hunting Batman and little, little do we know that when they make the third movie, it's going to pick up like eight years later for some reason. But anyways, that's a, that's a different episode yeah. we'll talk about. I actually, um, after, right after I finished watching this, I'm like, well, oh, I think I'm going to watch the dark Knight rises. I ended up watching that too. I that that I'll be I'll I'll be glad to do that movie at some point. I have major issues with that movie, but oh yeah, that's that another. Got, that one's got a bunch of issues too. That's that's another podcast. But um, so yeah, that's the end. I don't know if anyone has anything else that they didn't bring up, or if we need to get to the rating on this. I don't have anything. No. I, I don't even have, you know, anything as far as 
We'll reverse You're like, I don't even have a rating. I'll see you guys. Yeah. Uh, no. Are you guys ready to write it? I'm ready, yeah. Sure. All right. Um, I'll go first. Okay. Um, yeah, this movie is super enjoyable. I love it. Uh, Heath Ledger is infinitely watchable. I mean, it's you can't take your eyes off of him. He, this he's so good in this, and yeah, this movie has little issues, and there's stuff in it that doesn't make sense, but it doesn't make the movie for me any less enjoyable. You know, it's just like stuff that I just nitpick about. But overall, I think it's a great movie. I think it's one of the best. It's definitely one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. And it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. I really enjoy watching it. Uh, four and a half machine guns. Um, I'll go next. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm honestly pretty in line with you. Uh, I think this is a, a great movie. Uh, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Um, I, 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 yes, it's one of the best superhero movies ever made, whether or not it's, us, you know, it, like it is a superhero movie. Batman's in it, but as we discussed, it's not really a superhero movie. Um, there's, there's the issues with it are nitpicky, like the the fight, the action, the actual hand to hand hand to hand combat isn't great. I take issue with the betrayal of Batman. I don't think Batman's cared cares about living a normal life. That's not Batman's thing. He's gonna fight crime for the rest of his life. Like, so I don't like the idea where he's like, oh man, I really just want to like quit doing this and get married. Like that's, that's not Batman to me. Can um, I ask real quick, not, not to totally interrupt your rating, but do you, do you think Rachel had a point? Like, do you think Bruce Wayne, like, do you think it was actually going to happen? I mean, I know the end of the third movie, it does happen, but well, I, mean, I, I don't mean, know. I, think- I, I feel like even though he tries to sell himself off that he's going to ride off into the sunset, I don't. I don't really well, know if I, I that's think if you go true. With the true characterization of Batman. Is it no? His quest for justice will never be over because, despite what this movie makes you think, you can't eliminate all crime. There's always going to be crime to fight, and he's always going to be obsessed with it, and that's his mission. And like the comics do a really good job of like Bruce Wayne is like that's his pretend, that's his mask that he wears. He is Batman, and this movie, I think this whole trilogy makes you believe that it's like, well, he really just wants to be Bruce Wayne. But like, I think that the real character Batman is he is Batman and that's what he wants to do. And he has to pretend to be Bruce Wayne every once in a while. I agree. Anyways. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Heath Ledger is a revelation in this movie and it's in, it's, it's crazy how good he is. Um, and it's just a good movie. Uh, so I'll, I'll give it four and a half as well. Yeah, I, man, this is going to sound maybe strange in a way. I don't know. I I think for the purposes of our show, I'm actually going to give it four and a half machine guns as well because of us being an action movie podcast for the reasons we've talked about, right? The action's not great um, and, and things of that nature. As a movie, though, it is one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. And I think I would give it actually like a five machine gun rating as a movie. Like I would call it one of the best movies I've ever enjoyed and liked and whatever. But I think that for our show, it's not as actiony as maybe we would want it to be. 
I think as well, I, I think that the MCU has shown us what a comic book superhero action movie can be. Uh, and therefore, this doesn't quite fit that way. So obviously, Batman's a very different character from what we see in the MCU. So, you know, there's that. But yeah, I, I'm actually going to agree with you guys. I'm going to give this four and a half machine guns. So but I, I absolutely love this movie to death and I'll watch it a ton of times and never get bored of it. But it does have a couple issues here and there. But yeah, I, no, I agree. It. I mean, overall, it's nitpicky stuff. I I tend to think it could probably be a little bit shorter than it is. But again, overall, a great movie. Not just, like you said, not just a comic movie, just a good movie. And I think it's a good, like, if you're hesitant to watch a comic book movie, this is not an in-your-face one, you know? Like, it's grounded, yeah. and it really is just a crime drama. So and you, uh, I you do really find it interesting. No, but I, I will no. say this. This, uh, objectionally, or, or you know, it, it is... Thank you. It is a better movie. I kind of like watching Batman Begins more than this one. I really like Batman Begins. Like, and if I had to pick one to watch, like I might watch that more than this. Like, this is a better movie. I'm not trying to say Batman Begins is a better movie. I just enjoy watching it maybe a little bit more than this one. But that's just me. I also I'm I found it interesting that you said that you think this movie is a little bit too long. I mean, it is two and a half hours, but I don't think there is another two and a half hour movie that goes as fast as this one, in my opinion. Like, I, I just think it's I think it's perfectly well paced, in, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, uh, agree to disagree. We don't we don't need to yeah. get into it. I, I, I think that we, it, it's not as perfectly paced, but, you know, nitpicky stuff. So it's, it's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think we nailed that. Hit it pretty good. Uh, check us out. GameZillaMedia.com. Uh, lots of podcasts on there. You got us. You got uh, the GameZilla podcast. You got Legend of Retro. You got Noobs and Dragons starring currently myself and Sphinx, uh, along with Matt and um, Greg WK. Uh, we got streamers. We got all kinds of stuff. Um, check out our Discord. If you go to GameZillaMedia.com, at the bottom of the page is our Discord. Uh, you can join our Discord and, and, and chat with us. We love chatting with everybody. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all sorts of places. Uh, and then uh, what else do you want to plug there, Sphinx? Patreon, I guess. Check us out at patreon.com slash games of the media. Uh, if you want to throw some money our way, we've got a $1 tier and a $5 tier. If you sign up for the $5 tier, all of those shows LPJ talked about create a special monthly episode. We do a post credit scene which from kind of our last few episodes we've done here, you might like our conversation um, on that Patreon special. So give it a listen as well. Throw us some money. We would really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, That said, this episode of the last action podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. We'll be back.